Does Brian Harlan have plans to change how the tight end is utilized in the Ohio State offense? Well, after looking and seeing how talented Max LeBlanc's recent verbal commitment to Ohio State plays the football, that question is a valid one to ask. You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily podcast on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Buckeye fans? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Buckeyes. For the Locked On Podcast, it's our time. Your host, Jay Stevens, also the host of the Jay Stevens Podcast. It is Friday, April 21st in the year 2023, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Buckeyes your first listener, first watch of every single day during today's episode. We welcome back to the show, John Garcia Jr. John is Locked On's football recruiting insider. John and I go in depth about how talented recent tight end verbal commitment Max LeBlanc is. Also looking to the verbal commitment from Sam Williams-Dixon in-state running back and an interior defensive lineman that plays at IMG Academy that the Buckeyes are really high on. This has been a great week of shows. Let's finish it with the bang, and I love having John Garcia Jr. back with us to close out the week strong. And the best way to end the week is with a little recruiting update. You know, when I say recruiting, John Garcia Jr., Locked On's football recruiting insider, will be with us. The spring game was about a week ago, and there were two commitments that came Shortly, well, one after the game, one hat, one came shortly after the spring game was kicked off at Ohio State. Max LeBlanc committed tight end, and I can't wait to hear what John has to say about this talented young man. John, welcome back to Locked On Buckeyes. Good to be back on with you, Jay. Max LeBlanc, he's a he's a young man, and Ohio State's tight end position, I think, is uh, evolving. Um, it's one that I do believe with him be coming into the fold. We'll see the tight end utilized in different ways, different areas. His commitment came, I believe, I saw the tweet, was at like 12-13 with like a 12-05 kickoff for the spring game. So, boom, right after the kickoff, we get a big announcement of this talented young man committing to Ohio State. Then he got about 6'3 and a half, 6'4", about 225 pounds. John, he's good, really good, not just in the passing game, but also he's really good as a blocker. Yeah, I was going to say, most tight ends nowadays, Jay, we kind of put him in one of two boxes. You're either – that modern guy or you're that conventional balanced guy who is, you know, a little bit more old school with the game. But I think we get a blend of that with, with Max. He, he has the modern traits in that he splits out a lot and, and really runs routes. And after the catch looks more like a big receiver than a tight end. Uh, he works the slot. He works outside. He can work H back. He can work anywhere, but when he's attached and blocking or in space blocking, yeah. There's some conventional balance and old school to his game as well. So I just think this is a super high floor player for Ohio State. Another big win down in SEC country, always important for the Buckeyes. I mean, it's this class has been going nuts every time we're on together. There's multiple new commitments to, to dig into. And this one became a little surprising because I'm pretty sure LeBlanc just dropped his top group like yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So there was a sense that, okay, typically you drop your top schools, you take official visits, and then you commit. Well, he was ready to commit before his next visit. Uh, and, of course, Ohio State was was the benefactor there. State champion there at the Baylor School, a private school in Tennessee. Uh, always important relative to the competition that Max faces every Friday night. It's very good. Uh, it's one of the better areas 
in the state of, of Tennessee. And obviously you go to a state championship, you play the best throughout yeah. the state. Yeah. Uh, so naturally that that's always a good feather in the cap there. But yeah, with his game, the size, the frame, the balance and the modern traits all sort of stand out together. Um, and, and you don't see that much in today's tight end recruit. You're either growing out of the wide receiver position or you're an extension of the offensive line. In this case, Max can truly project as either or both simultaneously. So in an offense that's going to emphasize the run yet still work with spread, so many spread elements and principles, this is exactly the type of dual threat tight end that you want on your roster. So another nice pickup for the Buckeyes, who, by the way, this offensive class is is, is really wild, right? You've already got four O-linemen. you got your QB1 and Aaron Nolan, two running backs verbally committed, two five-star receivers, and now a tight end. So you've basically fielded an entire offense already on the verbal commitment list, which is now, you know, now the number one team in the country and recruiting on a couple of outlets. So crazy to see how quickly this has come together for Ohio State, particularly on offense. I think more defensive recruits are coming, but the offensive class right now is already the best in the country overall. And it's only going to get better as time goes on, as you start to supplement with more O-linemen, maybe another tight end and, and certainly another receiver or two. John, let's stick right there before coming back to Max LeBlanc and breaking down who he is as a player. You said that so well about how Ohio State has um, kind of stockpiled and has a lot of talent already. And if they stopped right now, didn't recruit anybody else, their offensive side of this recruiting class would already be set. Quarterback, two receivers, two running backs, tight end, and four offensive linemen. But my, my gut tells me, John, there could be two more offensive linemen that could be added. You might add another tight end. You might add two more receivers, <laughs> maybe another quarterback. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure, yeah. but maybe another quarterback. Let's just say that Comacord or say Comacord starts this year, kills it, decides to go to the NFL. Well, your Thurston quarterback is going to be gone as well, so you kind of want to keep that position going. We could be looking at a, at a Ohio State recruiting class that keeps adding guys on offense that are really, really good, and Max LeBlanc, it could be the trickle-down effect of Aaron Nolan mentioned that um, recently. How did Mylon Graham's commitment impact Aaron Nolan? Well, John, I do think you get a quarterback like Aaron Nolan, that impacts how Max LeBlanc thinks about Ohio State in going there because Aaron Nolan to Max LeBlanc, that could be a connection Buckeye fans love for the next few years because I do believe, John, I'll turn it back over to you. We might see a different offense, Buckeye offense, with Brian Hartline as EOC, and I think Hartline will use the tight end in a different way. And Max LeBlanc kind of fits what I personally believe the Buckeye tight end will look like over the next few years. Yeah, it's a good point there, Jay. And look, Aaron Olin has already shown the propensity to focus on a big, yes. athletic, dual threat tight end because he's now his teammate in college in Jelani yeah. Thurman, right? So, yeah, that's the style that I think Ohio State is moving to at the tight end position. And yeah, Nolan has already prioritized that spot. So going from Thurman to LeBlanc, back-to-back classes, pretty darn good. We won't talk yeah. about Ohio State being, you know, a lead at all these positions, but tight end is kind of sneaky good for Ohio State in recruiting right now. Uh, so yeah, Nolan to LeBlanc, I think will be a thing in the future. And yeah, this thing feels more modern, more spread. Uh, and, and look, Heartline is known for developing uh, pass catchers, right? So naturally you're going to emphasize that as a focal point of your offense now that it's going to be fully implemented into what OSU does every single day. So yeah, I would expect the tight ends to be more dual threat than not and have that versatility to line up as, as far as outside the numbers and as tight as a fullback or, 
or a wing uh, to be an extension of, of the blocking uh, crew. So, yeah, I think this is the style we're going to see here going forward. And, and, yeah, I agree with you. Grabbing a QB1 is important in this cycle for the rest of the pass catchers. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And Nolan is one of those guys, another state champion, has cachet, national top 100 type recruit, and another from SEC country that we yeah. just brought up with LeBlanc uh, coming out of the Atlanta area, uh, another one that resonates. So that absolutely matters uh, in the recruiting process, and it could be part of the reason why LeBlanc sped things up and became somewhat of a surprise commitment on, on uh, the spring game day. So when it comes to LeBlanc, the player, the tight end, you talk about new age, kind of versatile, um, can split out a little bit, can play regular tight end, can be kind of the H-back role. John, in the passing game specifically, we'll get more to the blocking in a little bit, but specifically the passing game, do you see a drop-off in his in his route running from when he's playing in the slot, when he's the H-back, when he's the tight end on the end of the line? Do you see a drop-off in his production in the passing game when he's lining up in different areas? I don't. I, I think it's very similar. I, I think it's a different approach when you are attached or coming from the backfield or somewhere in close, basically. Yeah. It's more about feel and positioning than being one on one with a defender trying to flip his hips and create separation. So I think it, it shows the football IQ here. I think Max takes advantage of that. So if it's about finding the hole in the zone when he works inside, Let's go get there right now. We don't have mm -hmm. to be cute. We don't have to stem the release. A lot of people think route running is about how pretty it looks. You want to have the sort of Chad Ochocinco, I'm dating myself, the Stefan Diggs <laughs> kind of moves off the offensive, uh, off of the line of scrimmage. That's great when you're facing press or facing man coverage. But great route runners, in my opinion, are the guys who take advantage of the defense, period. So if it's a zone scheme and you're a tight end, you don't have to dance around. Get to the spot, present your target to the quarterback, haul in the ball, and, and get moving thereafter. He's great at that. But when he does work outside, you do see more of that polish and the pretty stuff that is easier to sell on social media. He can stem his route, flip a defender's hips, and break off from there. So I think he's a very smart player relative to what he's asked to do, and that's that's the real definition of a great route runner so max checks that box in a big way uh for me whether he's attached or not this episode is brought to you by built bar something exciting is coming to built.com on april 22nd i don't have all the details but the excitement is real and it's something you don't want to miss if you know how built works they have the most incredible protein bars in the world and they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quality so mark your calendars and head to built.com on saturday april 22nd to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about i can't wait to see what this new flavor is make sure to use promo code locked on 15 and you will get 15 percent off your order once again Make sure you use promo code locked on 15 and you will get 15% off your order at built.com. When the in the run game, and we're going to see Ohio State still use a lot of the traditional tight end sets. Sure. Um, a little versatility still, but you're still gonna see them use that traditional tight end. I'm looking for John the pop at first contact, at first impact. How big of an impact do you make? Is it a little soft? And are you using recovery moves to kind of um, uh, counter um, what the blocker might do because your first hit or contact is a little weak? Or 
are you initiating the contact, being the aggressor, and forcing and imposing your will on the guy across from you? And so when I see LeBlanc, it's one of those things where it doesn't matter where he lines up, once again, which is why I don't I don't really go and for like, oh, well, one recruiting database says he's at 16th best tight end, one says the fifth. Like, I don't I, – you, you know this area better than I would. I don't understand how one goes 16, one may go five, one may go 11. I just look for impact. And the impact in blocking is the same way in the pass uh, catching game, the passing game. He's very good on first impact, but also running through running through the blocker and finishing the block. Had him do had him uh saw a pancake block where he was at the end of the line, hit that guy, drove his feet, drove him to the ground. So I do like that there's not a drop off in the passing game, no matter where he stands up. And also there's no really no drop off in the run blocking game, no matter where he stands up either. Yeah, I think this is a tribute to both Max as as a, a team player and Honestly, the coaches there at the Baylor school there in, in Chattanooga, again, private school, very good program that has produced a, a lot of great players. So this is where that shows up, right? Because you have to have the effort, but you got to be coached there as well. And, and I think you said it perfectly, Jay. No matter where he lines up, he's a successful blocker. If, if I told you this is a jumbo wide receiver, new age, modern spread type of tight end, who's a good blocker, you would assume, okay, well, as a receiver, he can be, you know, great in, in the run game. Mm-hmm. He's big. He's long. He can latch on to guys that are his size or smaller. And that's true with LeBlanc. But if I told you six, three and a half, two 225 pounds, and he's in the trenches blocking well, yeah. now all of a sudden you're like, wait, really? So yeah. that tells you he positions himself well, and he uses leverage well, and he has immense lower body strength because that frame is going to grow, right? Whether it's height and weight or both, which is probably what I would lean to at this stage, especially with another year of high school left, now those strengths will be strengthened at the next level. So that leverage and pad level that he already shows, along with some grit, as you mentioned, inside, that becomes even more impressive. Because if you look at him at a listed 222 pounds on the one website I'm looking at now, you wouldn't think he would be that effective a blocker on the interior in particular, especially, again, down in the state of Tennessee, where in the trenches and in the front seven, there are great players week in, week out on the run uh, on the way to a state championship. But that's where LeBlanc was just as good as he was out in space as a blocker and as a receiver overall. So, again, that's where I see the balance here. He can be that modern spread pass catcher, but he can also help you as a blocker when he's attached or when he's spread out. And that's just hard to do at, at any position, much less tight end. So this is one that... As, as time goes forward, Buckeyes fans should be even more excited about, in my opinion. John, here's one that I didn't put in the notes pre-show, but you've talked about this running back numerous times. I think it was like three or four times over a month span. You meant you found a way to fit him in the show. Sam Williams-Dixon ended up committing to Ohio State I think a couple of hours after the spring game was over. You've been very high on this young man. What does having him, Williams-Dixon, and James Peoples in this recruiting class mean for Ohio State? It means you're you're sort of set. You know, you don't have to worry about that pursuit as much. There should be a comfort level there. And again, we talk about this coaching staff and this recruiting staff responding. We talked about it at quarterback. When you lose Rayola, go get an Air Nolan. At running back, you lose Marshall in state to Michigan, which was this huge deal optically. And you follow it up immediately with multiple running back commitments. One from in-state, the next best in-state, according to some, and Williams-Dixon, and, of course, James Peoples out of Texas, who I think have 
that nice, you know, those Venn diagrams, those two circles we mm -hmm. used to draw in school. Mm -hmm. This is where they're similar. This is where they're different and where it overlaps. You get that with these two backs, which is great. You want some of that variance when you bring in players at the same position. And I think with peoples, you get the home run hitting ability, the space ability, the top end speed, uh, and some great ability out of the backfield. I think with Williams Dixon, you get a little bit more grit, a little bit more running behind your pads. He, he's an inner city kid originally, so he kind of shows that a little bit in his in his style of play as a runner. But you also get some all-purpose value. He's mm -hmm. a great kick returner, a great receiver out of the backfield, a very willing and effective blocker. Um, and the production is there, too, for both of these guys. Peoples, 2,000 yards last year. Williams Dixon, 76 touchdowns over the last two seasons. I don't care what your ranking is. That production yes. says plenty. So I think that's uh, really what, what the Ohio State Buckeyes are grabbing with these two backs. Built similarly, both 5'11", right under 200 pounds right now. But I think Williams Dixon is going to play with a little bit more grit and physicality. Peoples is a little bit more finesse. And what's cool about it, talking to Sam when he committed – he thinks Peoples is the best running back in the country, much hmm. less better than him. He yeah. thinks he's the best running back in the class of 2024, especially relative to the competition he faces in Texas. So really cool to see them not only be complimentary on the field, but off the field like, hey, this guy can go. And that didn't detract Williams Dixon from picking the Buckeyes either. So you get the confidence angle uh, in between uh, all of the great physical tools there as well. So really like this get another Ohio kid yeah. for the Buckeyes, which has been important in this class. We've seen a heavy number of Ohioans staying within state lines. And then, of course, you get the variance with the national recruits coming behind it, like your Aaron Olin, your Max LeBlancs, that have also jumped on board recently. So this recruiting run has been strong, uh, close to home and otherwise. And I wouldn't look down on, on some of these more close to home verbal commitments, especially Williams Dixon. I just think there's some grit there that's that's going to pan out. And Ohio State's done this, right? They, they bring in the blue chip back and then the other guy, the, the quote unquote other guy. And many times that other guy has panned out to be one of the better players. So I, I think that's always important to, to note there as well. And then just from a human standpoint, a kid who grew up dreaming to play for Ohio State, getting that chance. And maybe he doesn't get that chance if Marshall picks the Bucks, right? So seeing him persevere and kind of wait to get that chance, grab that green light and run with it. Pretty cool. Just again, human wise. John, there's another young man we're going to discuss. He recently dropped his top 12. Um, I want to say about a week, week and a half ago now with Jaden Jackson, defensive tackle, defensive lineman playing at IMG Academy, the factory that IMG is down there in Florida. You talk a lot about, uh, I think it's South Florida Express on the seven on seven circuit. Um, and how that area is so talented. Well, IMG's that way, but for the entire football team, Jaden Jackson, I believe he stands about 6'2", 300 pounds, very talented young man. Where do you think Ohio State stands as far as the possibility of getting Jackson? Because um, from what I see, John, he's pretty good. Yeah, this is a guy who you, you really talk about. Don't Don't worry about the rankings and ratings around him just watch him I mean if you're the interior anchor of a defensive line that shut out a bunch of opponents and allowed like two and a half yards of carry all season against a national schedule you can do some work uh, and that's really where where Jackson shines brightest he is a leverage monster incredibly strong 
pound for pound leverage type of player. And we're seeing Ohio State target these type of players, right? Mm -hmm. Sean Civilano, another one in that same sort of height and weight and character mold here. But man, at the point of contact, uh, Jaden just wins. He just wins against centers and guards, whether that's as a, an occupier or a penetrator. Uh, and, and I think that's really where there's there's a lost value uh, in the sport. You know, we think of interior defensive linemen in, in this new Chris Jones sense where you're like still grabbing double digit sacks and you're just a pass rusher on the inside. You just happen to be a little bit bigger, but there's still plenty to be said for those guys who help you defend the run, whether it's de destroying a center right after he snaps the ball, erasing a guard, eliminating the angles that the offense has to outflank the defense or just, you know, pushing the pocket, collapsing the pocket, even against the pass, there's still value with that type of prospect. And that's exactly uh, who Jaden Jackson is. So it won't, he'll never be a stats guy. He'll never be a, a fill up the box score kind of guy, but look at the offer list. Look at the schools coming after him, Texas, Texas A&M, Florida, USC, Ohio state, Michigan, it, it goes on and on. Miami, schools that really value the line of scrimmage here, uh, there's a reason that they all want him on their future roster. So Ohio State is, is going to be in the thick of it, in my opinion, here for, for uh, J.J. for quite some time. Uh, he's an Indiana native, so he's a Midwest Big Ten kind of kid. He's been to Ohio State on record more than, than any other school, and he was back in town for the spring game. So, yeah, top 12 is, is great, but he's going to trim that thing uh, here going forward, and, and you'd expect Ohio State – to, to be there. And it was an important visit because he hadn't been since last summer, right? He moved down to IMG, as you mentioned, started visiting the Florida schools a little bit more, got out to Texas, out to Cali and Pac-12 country where he has some family ties as well. Uh, so it was really important for Ohio State to get him back on campus and reemphasize why the Buckeyes want him in scarlet and gray here going forward. And I think they're going to be in, the, in that race uh, until the day that, that Jackson makes a verbal commitment. People that listen to the, po the podcast and have been doing it for a while know that during the fall, I go to high school football games almost every Friday. And so Brownsburg High School is about 15 minutes away from where I currently live and have lived here over the past few years. And I remember seeing a kid at Brownsburg that was a Samoan, had long, long, long hair that came all the way down uh, the back, down his back, down his back. You could almost cover up his numbers on the back of his jersey. And I was like, oh, this kid's good. Like, I see high school kids all the time. Some flash. That kid was Dayton Jackson. I had no idea he was going to blow up in this way. But, John, you talk about the guys that are in this top 12 that he recently released about a week and a half ago. Um, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, you mentioned Miami, Florida, Nebraska, Wisconsin, another Big Ten school. Yep. You got Colorado and Coach Prime. I mean, it's just kind of a lot. Of, you mentioned, like, teams that just uh, value the big, heavy guys. Colorado's going to be one of those schools. And we talk about it um, when Miami started coming up a little bit and A&M a little bit and Oregon started to like be in more of the um, final listing in top 12, five eights that the young recruits release. Colorado's going to be that same school because there's a belief in Deion Sanders that wherever he goes, people are going to follow him. He's going to build something special. I'm not saying he's going to win a national championship at Colorado. It could happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but – People believe him. He's able to um, get across to mom, get across to dad, get across to families or in the, or single-parent households that this is the right place for their young men to play football. So I wouldn't be shocked if it, whenever Jackson made release his top eight or six or four, whatever that 
final grouping might be before announcing his commitment if Colorado was there because Ohio State's going to have to deal with Deion Sanders. He's a very good talker, yep. very good a motivator. Um, he, make, he makes a quick impression on people when he talks to them. So as much as people say, that's Pac-12, they won one game last year, throw that stuff out of the window. It's Deion Sanders, it's Coach Prime, and Ryan Day and Coach Prime could be in a lot of heated recruiting battles for numerous players while Coach Prime is at Colorado and Ryan Day is here in Columbus. There's no doubt. I mean, when you think of the Pac-12 recruiting powers, USC and Oregon immediately pop in. But, yeah, Colorado is going to be that next school. Um, and they're recruiting as national as Colorado has ever yeah. recruited. Dion obviously has ties everywhere, particularly the state of Texas and the state of Florida. And, and look, I mean, those are two states Ohio State has prioritized uh, on the recruiting trail. So there will be battles between these two programs. I mean, right now, Winston Watkins, uh, who plays at South Florida Express, played with Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis, plays with Jeremiah Smith now, all Buckeyes. That That's really where, when he decommitted from AM, that's where a lot of people were like, well, he's obviously going to be the next guy to go to Ohio State. No, he committed to Prime. He committed to Colorado over the Buckeyes. So uh, just one example, but yeah, they're going to be a, a thorn in, in everyone's side. Every national blue blood, Ohio State, Georgia, Bama, USC, uh, Texas, Texas A&M, Clemson. If that's the group, right? Colorado will overlap with all of them. Notre Dame should be in there too. Colorado's going to overlap yeah. with all of them on the recruiting trail and win. They flipped a Notre Dame running back last year. They flipped an Auburn wide receiver last year. They had the number one transfer portal class last year uh, before the first game, right? And now the buzz is tangible there in Colorado. Sold out the spring game for this Saturday. Only game that's going to be on ESPN is that one. I mean, it's crazy, the buzz, but there's some tangible dollars and, and people – paying to to be there behind it and i think this week they just sold out their allotment of season tickets so yeah. that's something that recruits will buy into obviously you can sell playing time after a 1 and 11 season and obviously you know your head coach has been there and done that in every sense yes so that's a, a selling point in and of itself as a player and certainly in this nil era as a brand he's done it bigger and better than just about any football player ever so all of that will resonate and that coaching staff he's hired is pretty darn good as well so yeah Colorado's gonna be a school that we we talk about a lot more on, on all of these blue blood versions of the lockdown podcast because they're gonna overlap with top targets everywhere and heck we're talking about an Indiana kid and Jaden Jackson they got the best quarterback in Indiana committed to Colorado and Danny yeah. O'Neill right so that that's something that is going to pop up nationally pretty much going forward as as long as prime is there John we've done this over the past few weeks I want to ask you this question to close out the show once again who will be or who could be the next players to convince you? I always do. I don't know why. It just we don't. We've gotten some right. We've gotten um, some wrong. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Who's I'll, next on the list? I'll I'll go back to defense because at some point these guys got to come yeah. in. G give me one of the in-state DBs, whether it's Reggie Powers, the safety, or the two corners, Bryce West, Aaron Scott from from Springfield. Um, one of those three, I, I think, has to be next. Uh, the defensive classes is lacking a little bit. I think it's just Stover and, and Peyton Pierce from Texas. That's kind of it. So I do think there's there's an urgency to grab some commits on that side of the ball. So give me one of the in-staters to keep that theme going and secondary players to keep that theme or to establish that theme because I do think it's going to be a strong secondary class because you've got three blue chip types right there in, in your backyard and there's a, a strong chance Ohio State wins each of those recruitments. Aaron Scott, Bryce West, and Reggie Powers. 
John, it's always fun having you on, and I'm sure the people listening or watching this via YouTube are really enjoying this fun show to end the week here on Locked on Buckeyes. If you could, let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter, just in case they want to follow along as the recruiting is heating up, not just at Ohio State, but all over the country. They want to follow along with things you have to say. Where can they follow you on Twitter to stay up to date with recruiting around the country? Yeah, just my name, John Garcia underscore JR. And uh, yeah, we'll follow back and, and talk some ball. Let's do it. And guys, you can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. Send all of your emails to jstevens317 at gmail.com. We're out of here on a Friday, a fun week. But next week is the NFL Draft. Looking forward to hearing and finding out where Stroud, Johnson Jr., and Jigba and the others will be drafted in the 2023 NFL Draft. We'll have draft coverage all week long. So make sure you subscribe to Locked on Buckeyes on all of your podcast platforms. It's free and available wherever you find your podcast. John Garcia, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.